the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. You're on the live wire. Good morning. Hello. You're on live wire. Uh, um, Jim Ross. Y yeah. Um, I followed you through uh, oh, WCW. Yeah. I like to say that Goldust will beat Hunter for the belt. Mm-hmm. And um. I'm sorry. Enough, He's enough. Gonna, yeah. Next. Bless his heart. Next. Bless his little heart. He got nervous. No. Uh, you're on live wire. Good morning. Hi, how you doing? Good. What's your question or comment? Um, I com you were talking about um, Goldust being, or somebody being the um, champion that wasn't Hunter. Oh, go to the next one. Don't we don't have time. Well, open for you're gonna be on the If you're going to be Jeez. on this program, you got to think a little bit. You got to be prepared. We're not playing calls here, folks. You're either going to get on or you're going to get off. And we're not going to waste any time here. You're no on live pressure. wire. Here no we go. pressure. Yes, I was asking, hello? Yes, good yes, morning. I was wondering, uh, do you know if the Macho Man is coming to the WWF, or do you know anything about World Wrestling that? Federation is building on youth, not on, uh, on, uh, on veterans. They don't need people my age wrestling. That's the bottom line. Good answer. You're on live wire. Hello? Good morning. Yes, uh, Happy New Year, Mr. Ross. Happy New Year to you, too. I'd like to ask you a question about what you think about Roddy Piper coming out of retirement and beating Hogan at the Starcade, sir. Well, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of folks will do things for money. I mean, it's obvious that you got a, you got a guy that at one time was a gallon athlete, at one time was a fighting son of a gun. He's got an artificial hip. Mm -hmm. uh, he really doesn't belong in the ring. Mm -hmm. But if you look at who does or doesn't belong in the ring, then you'd have to probably use your imagination to say that Hulk Hogan belongs in the ring mm -hmm. anymore either. So mm -hmm. uh, the guys are making a living, and, uh, so, and so more power to them. Mm -hmm. I watched the match, and, and as a matter of fact, I fell asleep in the middle of it. All right, let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I'm joined here by members of the Crack Broadcast team. And we go back in time and we dig into some of the old stories, some of the old uh, happenings of the World Wrestling Federation between 93 and 97-ish. And uh, this week joined by a very special guest, one of my favorite people in the whole entire podcasting uh, medium. I am uh, honored to have on New Generation Deacified, a guy who's already admitted he tapped out during New Generation, the one and only, the great Jeff Lane. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> you tapped out, Jeff. What? What's going on? We're, we'll get into it. But, I mean, this was like, I couldn't believe you, you said you'd never heard of Livewire before. Well, I, I never watched it when it was when it was on. I've seen the clips throughout the years, you know, on YouTube and stuff. All the all the stuff with Vince and and Jr. with you know having the bad day. I've seen all that stuff, but when the show was on live, I had never watched it because this this is why I think this is such an interesting podcast to do because I know there's a lot of people in my age range anyway that this was the era. When we stopped watching wrestling for a while, and the and the numbers show that you know, uh, I mean, a bunch of people stopped watching in this era. I was let's see, ninety, you know, late nineties. I was probably fourteen to eighteen ish during this time, and I'm just trying to do quick math here. But you know, of of all my friends, only one of them continued to watch wrestling during this time. He's never quit. He's been a diehard for life. But th that's <laughs> Sorry, why dude. I think this is such a cool concept because I think a lot of a lot of us miss this while it happened. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. No, that that's been the general consensus of of all the people that have come on to the airwaves. So now, uh, be remiss to uh, mention my crack broadcast team member CP in the building as well, a diehard fan of Livewire, trying to call in to Livewire if I'm not mistaken, um, either making it up or right on the money. Uh, but CP up there in the beautiful Jersey uh, Shore area, uh, memories of Livewire as we uh, we kick off the conversation. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. It's uh, always fun to be on New Generation Declassified, and this is a good topic uh, that we've come up with, Livewire. Um, I also like to call it WWF Mania, the sequel, sometimes. So. <laughs> yes, it took the pull of WWF Mania uh, very, very sadly. Uh, the three-year run of WWF Mania, hosted by Todd Pettengill, uh, coming to an end, and uh, Livewire, a very out-of-the-box concept for that time. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. I want to go back to Jeff Lane and his fandom and tapping out. Now, the golden era, the early, the late 80s, early 90s, Hogan, Warrior, Savage, Piper, Jake, the Million Dollar Man, Brutus, Heart Foundation, Legion of Doom, all these guys, for the most part, not really factors enter the new generation. Did that have a lot to do with the fact that you tapped out? I think it was partly the age getting older and wrestling still seemed childish as I was getting older at that point. It, it was kind of like the weird age range where, you know, mighty Morphin power Rangers had come out, but I was too old for that. You know, you know, I yes. couldn't watch that <laughs> wrestling was kind of like, you know, fit in, fit into that same thing at the time. And it, and it wasn't really cool. I don't think it had much to do with the roster. Cause you know, I always liked, uh, Bret Hart and, um, you know Yokozuna and those guys, but but um, it was around that time WrestleMania nine ish when yeah. I, when I stopped uh, being you know a a big time fan, and I I remember watching the Raw when one two three kid beat Razor Ramon, and that was like the only really early Raw that I remember watching. It just we moved on to other things, video games and sports, and wrestling just wasn't uh, wasn't entertaining for me and my friends anymore at that time. It's a great point about the Power Rangers because I have the same exact feeling because I have a brother who's eight years younger than me, and he was just on that cusp of just getting into Power Rangers. Like He had just crossed the line of like being right in the market of what they were aiming at. And I just remember being like, this is this is so dumb. Like, I can't believe that this is what kids are watching, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's in 1994, 1995. So that's a great example of kind of being one in the same age range and two at the same point. Now, whereas I stayed with the wrestling, the wrestling was really the only thing that I felt I had left that I could enjoy. But and I swear I said this basically up until when I stopped really watching about, you know, five years ago. I was like, I can't watch this without Hulk Hogan every week. I can't watch this with the Macho Man not being a regular competitor every week. I can't watch this with uh, Roddy Piper. It was better in the 80s. It was better in the early 90s. So I fell into the didn't like things outside of wrestling, like Power Rangers. But I stayed with it because I just it, I was used to it. You know what I mean? So that was my kind of reason that I stuck with it. Yeah, one of my, my friends never left and. Once the I remember when the Attitude Era rolled around. It was actually before. What got me back into wrestling was WCW. All the guys were all the guys I grew up on were now on exactly. Nitro. Wait a minute, yeah. Hulk Hogan's a bad guy. What that that was it. That's all I had to hear, and I wanted to see what the hell this was. And so WCW is what got me back into wrestling, and then eventually, you know, uh, the Attitude Era. But uh, my friend that never left he caught me up. 
you know, right. during this time. It showed me all the good stuff that happened through the, through the new generation era, the Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Undertaker and, you know, Sid and a, and a lot of the stuff that people think new generation, they think Duke the, Duke the Dumpster, they, yeah. you know, T.L. Hopper, but they, <laughs> but they don't think about the good stuff that you can actually go back, Piper and Mankind, I mean, you know, or Piper and Goldust, excuse me, Mankind and Undertaker. There's a lot of good stuff in that era that, um, that you you can focus on and watch and, and and it's to me it's even more enjoyable than today's product going back and watching it. Yeah, yeah, great point, and, and I, I I'm completely on board with that because it's the exact same thing, but with WCW, and and I know uh, CP, you were kind of in the same boat. I was more of like a WWF diehard, you know, and, and it just it felt like even though I loved all those guys, and listen, there was no bigger NWO fan than me, and you go find the uh, the ladder in Thompson Middle School. And literally from top to bottom, it's written NWO for life up and down the damn thing. I love the NWO, but I just couldn't turn away from the WWF. And I felt like I, you know, was destined to be there, which eventually would be. But I just <laughs> felt like it was I had to stick with them. So I, I like that you came back for WCW. <laughs> yeah, on my end, I went to uh, I watched WCW somewhat. But yeah, I agree. Chad's there. I was like team WWF at the time and it was really hard even when you enjoyed nitro and you saw that they were kind of out cooling wwf at one point um it was still you just had that loyalty being from this area and having always watched that product having those shows at the garden you know wcw was never going to be at the garden um yeah no it was just it was good stuff uh it was tough between the two two shows though yeah, but yeah you had to, i stayed loyal to wwf for the most part too but interesting enough, so Jeff is from New York, but you're from upstate New York. So WC did go to upstate New York, right? Rather than where we were in the you know in the New Jersey, New York, greater New York City area, we didn't get WCW. They went to Philly sometimes, then to Long Island. We never really got them in the metropolitan area. So that's another reason why it was easier to stay with the WWF. Yeah, and I I never watched WCW growing up. It was always WWF. I didn't even really know it existed. Um, you know, NWA, WCW. I didn't watch any of that. I remember my buddy smarting me up to you know Hulk Hogan's in WCW, and I'm like, what the hell's WCW? You know, I don't I don't know. <laughs> but then when we got to college, he was my roommate, and he kept popping it on every night. And Hulk Hogan's a bad guy, and I'm like. What? It, like, it, like, and I'm watching this, and oh, there's Savage, there's Mr. Perfect, there's all these guys I remember as a kid, and they're, and they're still cool now. So that's what got me back into it, and, and it was never really growing up seeing WCW, because I never even, you know, never even watched it as a kid. It was WWF, and that was it. You know, they really got me when Marty Jannetty and Rick Martell ended up in WCW, and that's where I knew. I was like, man, I am in trouble. And then they got Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and I was like, man... My three dark horse guys are all there, and I got, I'm completely uh, torn. But, hey, I stayed loyal. And I just find it very ironic, too, how much you would talk about WCW later in your life uh, when you didn't <laughs> – you weren't tapped into it as much as uh, you were growing up. And then you just hear WCW. I'm sure if you hear Bash at the Beach 2000 one more time, you're going to start banging your head off the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems like that gets talked about the most on, on, on our stuff is WCW. No doubt too funny but uh yeah i digress so let's get into uh live wire so yeah like cp said before it takes the place of wwf mania hosted by radio dj and uh uber personality todd pettengill 
Uh, WWF Mania was a just complete clip show, top to bottom. Uh, funny little roll-ins by Pettengill in and out of matches. They had some specific promos. Uh, in the early years, they had maybe more exclusive content, like a one-match tape that Raw that was used just for Mania. Uh, but eventually, it just got very tiresome. And when you're just playing clips from the previous shows, there's really no reason to tune into it because mostly everybody was watching Raw. Uh, at that point, it was only an hour. It was easy to get through. Uh, so they decided to roll the dice, and they changed it up. So instead of a taped uh, show in the production studio there in Stanford, Connecticut, they're going to do a live show from the production studio in Stanford, Connecticut, and they're going to make it a call-in show where anything goes and all topics are on the table. So in essence, Livewire, really the predecessor to the call-in, you know, uh, internet podcasting shows that they would have just a few years down the road, WCW Live, uh, 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 Bite This on the uh, WWE.com. So Livewire, a little bit ahead of its time, uh, but nonetheless a cool concept for that era. What what I had always watched was the snippets. I, You know, Vince... As Vic Venom telling Vince McMahon, why is this show so awful? Getting into it with Cornette. Uh, Jim Ross, my, you know, everybody's seen the clip where, come on, folks, you know, we got to be prepared here, you know, <laughs> hanging up and getting, Jim Ross has a bad day. So those, those are the stuff I'd seen. But I wanted to watch a full episode, especially coming on here, because I'd never watched one from start to finish. So I watched the, the one that you sent me, Chad, yeah. which was the very first episode. And... You know, of course, you know, Sonny playing to the camera was great. Jim Cornette was great. Brian Pillman was freaking unbelievable on the phone. What got me about watching this is they built up a pay-per-view better on this show than they yeah. can on a, on a Raw today. It was unbelievable. There was not one match. It was just people talking. Jim Cornette, Brian Pillman, you know, just it, it, it was – I just was amazed at – how everything was trying to sell that in your house show that they were talking about. Yeah, in your house mind game. So this is September twenty first, nineteen ninety six, when this show debuts. Uh, September twenty second was a Sunday night. It's also my birthday, so that's why I remember the uh, the mind game show very clearly. Um, but yeah, they built up that pay per view amazingly and it, you could put it on par with a wrestlemania build now of how intense it was and they were playing up the mankind and Shawn michaels match which would end up being a kind of pivotal turning point for a few things because that style of match they had wasn't really seen at the time it was in philly this is the show where the ecw guys were in the front row and uh i forget who it was i think maybe it was brad uh, sabio vega and bradshaw maybe got in a fight with tommy dreamer and the sandman at ringside and paul Heyman was out there and the Mankind Shawn Michaels match was a little more hardcore. They're going through tables, you know, they're busting shit up. And then, you know, this show where they're letting anybody call in, the guys can shoot from the hip however they want. They're showing you it's not yet attitude, but there's a little bit of an edge, maybe trying to keep pace with the NWO in September 96. Yeah, this is completely this is completely that in-between area where we're definitely exiting the new generation, getting towards that attitude era, but somewhere in the middle, you have the matches you alluded to. You even had a, a few months prior to this Raw magazine debuted, I think, which is another yeah. uh, Vic Venom product, uh, which, you know, kind of changed just this was just live. It was nobody. It didn't feel like people were reading off teleprompters. I'm sure they were in the beginning and to throw to breaks and stuff. But it was a very raw show that it was just it was great and totally different than anything that had been on thus far. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. And the fact, like I said, the call-in aspect of it is what I loved because they weren't filtering those phone calls. And look, admitting it, I tried to call a million times. You couldn't get through. It was busy Not signals. Up. Yeah, you remember that? I mean, you couldn't get yeah. through. If you got through, they hung up on you. It was impossible to be a part of this thing. But you wanted to because – as you see in some of the clips, like the Jim Ross has a bad day, which is probably this view that there is a live wire. People are asking Jim Ross if he watched WCW, if he was watching Stargate, if he's watching, you know, this and that. You know, it was Macho Man coming back to WWF. This is stuff that they're letting on air that at the time it's completely taboo. So WCW might make fun of WWF, might say, oh, you know, uh, this is the results for Raw, blah, blah, blah. This is where people are being like, hey, WWF, uh, you think we can get uh, Macho Man back soon? You know, is this something? And you see JR's response is rather curt, a little more in line with the JR we've come to know now, and uh, sarcastic as hell. And you got to love that because it peeled back the onion, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah, Yeah, and I don't know how much of it was scripted. I do know from what Vince told me, nobody knew. Michael, he thought Michael Hayes was pissed off at him for calling him Michael Hayes, you know, in that in that one thing. Vince McMahon didn't know what he was going to say when he went out there and said this show sucks. So I know none of that stuff, you know, they had rehearsed or scripted. I don't know about the other stuff, but when you listen to the callers, they seem like real genuine callers, like, you know, except for the Paul Heyman one. Obviously, there's a few worked, worked, worked things, but it just seemed like real fans with, I mean, real just fan questions, you know, that, that if it was – phony you they've been a little more creative with the questions i think so that was cool though for people to be able to do that i'm sure they got on the show and, and i'll tell you what and watching that show live and what we do on the show is we we look back look as fans then as fans now when you heard the voice you were like i know that's from somewhere and i i think it was uh, whoever it was that said this isn't you know bruce from connecticut it's paul from philadelphia and you're like what? <laughs> what? EDW is calling to Livewire? Like, what is going on here? But it's just that little bit. Little did we know there was a working relationship. Little did we know, yeah, that was set up. Uh, I would have loved to have gotten through, uh, and Paul Heyman did. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, it just it was something that, you know, if it was scripted, they didn't need to do much wording. They just let these guys be themselves. And this is where I feel like we got to see that more than any other time before if hulk hogan was on this show in 96 as the red and yellow hulkamaniac uh you know leader we'd still see him kind of in the mic talking in the same lingo maybe a little lower you know in his voice but this is these were these guys being them and if if Vince is saying he was afraid michael hayes was pissed at him you could tell (laughs) because that segment is off the charts intense because it's so uh spontaneous yeah, I mean, that's one of the first segments ever on WWF television where someone broke somebody's current character name, I believe, right? I can't recall that happening previous to that. Well, it definitely, I mean, if, you know, you knew he was, you know, it was Michael Hayes. I think they had mentioned it once before by accident, you know, somebody else called him Mike. And it was something very small. But it wasn't just in that segment alone. I mean, we'll just kind of, if we can move forward into it. And when Vic Venom was kind of on the show as a regular, and then he'd pop in here and there, he'd talk about the magazine. First, he goes after Jim Cornette. Then he drops the line about Michael Hayes. Then he's talking to Vince McMahon. And it's just showing you that, you know, we read this guy in the magazine. He's telling us, you know, be on the lookout for blah, blah, blah. It's going to happen this year. Uh, blah, 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 whatever he did in predictions uh, to, like, shooting on people. 
the one with Cornette, I could be honest with you, that could have been a conversation the two of those guys had years later, you know, when they had their kind of falling outs. Uh, and it, it was on TV and it just seemed very real. And I, I just, I love that. I think, yeah, you, you, you watch some of the stuff that Cornette says to him is some of the same stuff he'll say today on a, on a, on a promo, yeah. you know? So I, I, I would not be surprised Cornette was legit, you know, giving it to him at that, at that point. Cause the Yankee stuff came up in a magazine writer and, and, you know, all this, the same shots that he, that he took at him behind the scenes and, and today. So, but it made for good TV. People love watching that because you don't see that. You don't see, that's like the only place that they were on TV together at the same time. Right. Yeah. And it yeah. was, it was the first time we saw them uh, on television, but like Chris, uh, like CP said, the raw magazine kind of changed the way we even looked at WWF content because it went from kayfabe wwf magazine you know uh this is why sid and the one two three kid want to get razor Ramon and and you know marty Janetti too uh you know did you know that Shawn michaels two best friends left to go to wcw he's pissed off about it and you're reading this being like holy crap like <laughs> that's amazing and, and this you know we'll ignore the, uh, the the bikini spreads in the middle of the magazine that also differentiated it from other yes. magazines, but it was just that style that changed what the WWF would become in the Attitude Era in a time where, like Jeff said, you still have your Duke the Dumpsters, your TL Hoppers, you know, your, uh, I think the goon was maybe still around at that point. It's, it's guys like this that identify with the new generation in a sour capacity that kind of overshadow the greatness of something like a live wire which would be a predecessor to later years programming, right? Am I kind of uh, on the, I think we're all kind of in agreement with this, yeah. <laughs> this consensus. Even, <laughs> even having that initial host be Todd Pettengill shows your favorite person, shows that bridge between, you know, leaving new generation, but still holding on to some of it. So. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and Pettengill, you know, we've talked about him many times on the show. He fit because he had mainstream appeal because in the Northeast, he's huge radio name at that point you're listening to him on drive-in to work every day so you, you kind of you get that identifiable personality uh but he would be phased out and this yeah. is this show which took place of his platform where he grew phased him out because of you know, the multicolor sweaters you know the uh the funny hairdo and the you know the earring and all that stuff, it just didn't fit with uh you know I guess the you know the more shoot style of a Jr. getting surly and uh, you know Vic Venom getting a little uh, you know angry or Cornette because you know, we'll give Cornette his due too. This gave Cornette a little bit more of an opening to be more like the Cornette we'd come to know rather than just the Louisville Lip, the manager of Yokozuna. We kind of learned a little bit more about what Cornette's personality was too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go yeah, ahead, go ahead, man. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say exactly what you were just saying. It's uh, Jim Cornette is crazy now, is it? or, you know, he's very loud, outspoken, everyone knows. But you didn't always get that in WWF in such a loose manner uh, when he was managing guys. You got it, but to a degree. But it was far more in his presence on Livewire. It was more akin to a modern-day podcast than what you were getting on the pure WWF programming. 
Yeah, and, and he was hilarious, and at the same time, he's putting over the storylines that he's involved in. How many times in the episode did I watch? We talking about Vader and Shawn Michaels, Vader and Shawn yeah. Michaels. He's getting it over with every caller. The lady keeps ladies keep calling him, wanting Sonny to slap him in the face, and somehow he's tying this <laughs> into Vader and, and, and Shawn Michaels. You know, he keeps getting the, the storylines over, and I thought he was freaking hilarious on there. Yeah, that first episode, he's building for his match with Jose Lothario and uh, Mind <laughs> Games good. the next night. The epic encounter between Jose Lothario, who was like in his you know late 50s at the time, and Cornette, who was, I think he was still in his either late 30s or early 40s at that point in 96. And, you know, he, uh, <laughs> he really could have run circles around Lothario <laughs> at that point. So, But it, it's kind of funny just thinking about it now. Vince... Cornette, JR, uh, guys who would go on to have successful podcasts, having that platform to talk, you know, in that capacity. And also Pettengill being a successful radio host. It's these quick thinkers, you know, that end up having that that uber success. And it's kind of funny. They all met at that same point. If only everybody could have worked together collaboratively. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been nice. And on a note on Pettengill, in my opinion, from what I've seen, because I, I have gone back and watched a, a lot of the stuff, from not all of it, obviously, but a lot from that time. I've seen plenty of Pettengill. I thought he did his best stuff on Livewire. Uh, to me, like a lot of the on the shows or, or the pre-tapes, he really hammed it up, I thought, like a, just a little too much, but he seemed more natural in the live setting. It right. was more like he was at home at the live setting on Livewire, so it's weird that that's what phased him out. I thought he was he was the best you know, what he did in WWF on that show. Yeah. Let's also point out a few things about contacting Livewire. So not only were you able to call, you were also able to fax, (laughs) but you were also able to email questions, which at the time, I mean, Jeff, you give out your email, you know, for people to send submissions for castrating the marks at the time, uh, WWF Livewire at AOL.com. You know, I'm sure the inbox was flooded, I'm sure if anybody even knew how to use it at that point, they would have picked a couple of, uh, you know, some maybe some better uh, messages. But they were ahead of their time in thinking outside the box. And whether or not that kind of is like a, I don't know, like a kind of ironic with how WWE is a little bit out of touch now. They were a little bit ahead of the curve if you look at how they wanted people to get in touch with them. Faxing, forget it. I don't even know if anybody could pick out a fax machine out of a lineup now. But having an email component, that's like very innovative for 1996. Wasn't WWF.com or, in the, or AOL, the AOL site WWF had one of the first like sports websites or AOL sites? I remember Sonny definitely having the most downloads of any female model at one point in like, 1996. Was, yeah, it was definitely – I don't know if that was a work or not. I tend to believe it may have been. But that site – Jeff, do you remember the AOL site for WWF? No, I didn't have AOL till 97. Okay. So like it, it it and at that point I wasn't watching anyway. I didn't start watching till late 97 or mid 97 I think it was. So I had never seen the WWF site on there. So the AOL site, uh, CP's right. It was one of the first like exclusively sports-based content AOL had. So you would go to WWF's AOL page and a Vince McMahon voice would pop in and say, "Welcome to the WWF America Online." And you would only be able to read a couple of articles. You'd be able to find some entrance music. I do not believe they had video clips until 97, 98. Uh, But again, ahead of their time and the fact that WCW, who would eventually be linked to, I I can't remember the, um, 
Oh man, and see, and my TMPT brother uh, would kill me for this because I know he he got that internet just for this. But WCW was with an obscure, you know, like I I don't remember the name of it, internet company. And WWF is like smack dab in the middle of the AOL craze. Was it the Prodigy thing? Prodigy, or no? that's it. Yeah. Look at you guys. <laughs> How did you remember? I, th- I think that's what Bob Ryder was involved with. <laughs> All right, so that's yes, Bob Ryder was involved. Yeah, the Prodigy chats, and you get those transcripts, and you'd have to sift through them and be like, "All right, Eric Bischoff said Glacier is coming soon." All right, now we know <laughs> he'll be here soon. <laughs> Blood runs but, cold in Prodigy. Yeah, nonetheless, uh, you know these AOL things. It was just different for the time, and you didn't see it. Um, another promo that I had sent Jeff on there was Steve Austin. So now in the build for Steve Austin and Bret Hart for November Survivor Series, this was basically where you got to see why he was stone cold. This was the complete package, you know, the the little bit of cursing, you know, the, 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 the attitude that we would see out of the rattlesnake. We got to see this on an episode of Livewire that basically equated to chaos and unpredictability. And for Steve Austin and Jeff and what you saw, you would kind of see how it was in its infancy at the time. But the Steve Austin we'd all know, grow and know to love was right there on Livewire in 96. How many people saw it then? Right, yeah. You wonder how many people watched that show and and how much of being able to just freeform on there helped develop the skills that you know came later on. What, what popped me the most was the one caller that said, if you don't stop with that foul language, you're not going to have a bright future. And that just cracked me up. Like that, that was like perfect to go back and back and see that. Like, man, lady, you were way off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> CP, early memories of Steve Austin on Livewire. No, yeah, I actually watched that specific promo today, and it was crazy. I, I didn't immediately remember it, and then it struck a chord as being thoroughly remembered because that was a weird time for Steve Austin. He was he won the King of the Ring, and he was kind of huge for a minute, and everybody kind of thinks that was steady forever. But he, he kind of fell away a little bit in the summer. He was on a couple of pay-per-view free-for-alls, I think. He wasn't necessarily pushed to the front of every show. And then, you know, Bret Hart wanting to get him back into a program with him uh, kind of, like, lifted him back into the face of the company. And that, But that was one of the first times I, – I, I think he had a he, – he called into Monday Night Raw. He did, like, phoners with announcers a couple times, and he was good on yeah. Monday Night Raw. But this was, like, the – first time i feel like he really freeform talked in an extensive way it's the most he ever did up to that point and it was the first time he really had an amazing promo since king of the ring i think so i think at least but yeah and it, what it would do is it would lead to a lot of the promos that they would have in that bret hart uh build up for survivor series jeff what were you gonna say yeah it's just interesting too to see the differences in the character originally and as opposed to what it turned out to be because you know he's being a typical heel and lying about going up to Calgary and he whoops Stu's ass in the dungeon and all this stuff. You know, like it just doesn't fit his later character. But the way he speaks is is you you hear Stone Cold that everybody you know ended up knowing and loving in the Attitude Era that brought everybody back to to wrestling. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's such a transition. And again, you know, being somebody who watched a few and didn't buy into the attitude of Steve Austin and the cursing. You're being like, ah, this guy was a Hollywood blonde. He's doing this thing, you know, with the, the movie camera. And I'm not taking it seriously. But then you're hearing him talk, and you, you're like, well, there's something different about this guy. And then they have the lady who was telling him to tone it down, 
you know, it's just kind of ironic that, you know, uh, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass would be the most like iconic quote in WWE history. Uh, but here's where I could tell you it's very similar. And I know there's been similarities thrown out for years, but Dr. D. David Schultz, 10 years earlier, when when he's on WWF TNT, the talk show that Vince McMahon did in the 80s, like you could literally interchange the episode of Livewire and the TNT episode with Dr. D. And it's basically the same thing. And I just find it very funny that Vince must have seen similar qualities that he gave this guy the platform to just kind of go at it and just have a day. Just do whatever you need. You know, and if you look at kind of maybe something modern, the only thing that I can remember was that with Miz and Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, however many years ago. Yeah. That that was something that would have that fit into this type of programming. I don't know why that wasn't the format of Talking Smack or whatever they do now with After Raw, whatever it's called, the show After Raw and all that stuff. Miz and Daniel Bryan was the only thing I remember people talking about, and it was a very heated exchange because it seemed real. People were like, oh, they're shooting, you know, because why? Because they were allowed to say what they wanted to say, just like Steve Austin was here, Brian Pillman on the phone, you know, so... I, I don't think that I don't know what you guys think. I think that format could work today if it was done the right way and not in this phony way that they do the, all the pre-show stuff yes. on the network. Completely agree. It, it, there's the kayfabe, you know, the 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 storyline furthering is so bad now that honestly, I don't think the guys today could pull it off. You got to have a pro like a Daniel Bryan or the Miz or some of the veterans that have been around more spontaneous situations not people that came up through a developmental system where it's repetition practice learning this learning that everybody does their entrances perfectly everybody does things the same way i don't think the people could pull it off but the format itself could work in the wwe now obviously aew could try to do it but they just end up you know falling over their own two feet every time they uh <laughs> they try to do something different you know see cody's comments uh <laughs> on that last podcast <laughs> Yeah, they they I think they just they just like to go full shoot and you got to find that that fine line where people are wondering, you know, but you're still selling your product at the same time because that's what it's about at the end of the day. Do the AEW 100% shoot podcast sell dynamite or pay-per-views? You know, I I I don't think so. That no. that's just my opinion, but when you can blur the lines and at the same time promote a title match coming up on a pay-per-view, they could have done a big thing with Miz and Daniel Bryan built all completely out of that if they would have went the right way and made a match, you know, based on that and that could have been the whole storyline. You can build matches with that stuff and make people excited to watch wrestling again through people's words right. and i just don't see that when it's 100 percent shooting you're telling us all the behind the scenes and the secrets look I, that's not why i watch the show i watch it to be entertained don't you know i don't i don't need to know the magic just make me try to be, try to make me believe it right it's the twitter accounts are they their legit twitter accounts of their you know uh real life personas or are they furthering their storyline from monday you know like that's the the schizophrenia that the products have today in every company, AEW, MLW, WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact. These guys want to be shooting, but then they have to further their storylines per their bosses or whomever's telling them to do their social media. And I don't think they could pull this off. Whereas you say, hey, uh, Brian Pillman, call this number at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. I don't We don't know where the hell you are in the world what hotel he's probably in, <laughs> what he did the night before or hours before, 
and just talk. And Brian Pillman, critical point. So, yeah, he's on that first show. He can't wrestle. He had the car, uh, the motorcycle accident uh, or car accident or motor. He had like 10 accidents in those couple of years. So he could he had the he had the broken leg. He couldn't do anything. It's coming off the heels of the gun incident with Austin. So it's all very around. It might have been. No, it was right before it. It was right. I believe maybe two or three weeks before the gun incident. Uh, so Pillman's doing nothing. So they have him call. And yeah. How entertaining is that? Put that call on Monday night. Just an isolated Brian Pillman phone call. It's such an old school wrestler mentality where they can just go and go and full throttle and, you know, you know, like loud voice, anger. They don't stop. It, it, it's just I, you don't see that today. And I go back to something that Disco always says, why aren't people mad anymore in wrestling? Doesn't seem like anybody's yeah. angry. They're not mad. You know, they're just out there talking softly, saying things. Brian Pillman was mad. Stone Cold Steve Austin was mad. You know, <laughs> Jim Cornette was mad. That stuff was entertaining when they would get all fired up, and you really don't see that. And Miz was like that with Daniel Bryan. Right. You know, it was. that's why I say it was very similar. But that full throttle cutting a promo anger from like a good heel. We just don't get that anymore. Yeah. yeah and and we can say CP. I was just going to say, it's very, it's just very rare today. And I just going back to what you guys were touching on a second ago, it's, it's infuriating to me to see, and that's, you know, that's not on this topic, but to see Bray Wyatt, like all over Instagram and Twitter with his family and stuff, when he's the fiend <laughs> on television, you can't find a better medium than that. Yeah. Well, that's the Alexa bliss. She's tranced by the fiend. She's got the eyes, and I don't watch the product. I just see everything on Twitter. She's got <laughs> the eyes. She's you know uh, she's possessed. She's this and that, and then she gets engaged to uh, Singer and is crying. You know that she's so happy she's getting engaged. It's like, come on, <laughs> not even trying. <laughs> yeah, it's just you got to find that balance. I, I don't know why. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a combination of the two. And I'm I'm Jim Cornette says this all the time. UFC UFC like does it perfect. I don't, there's fighters that stay in a cell fight mode all the time for real fights. I mean, that's the model right there. I, I don't know. seems like it's out there. Yeah, but who wants to watch real fights? <laughs> watch fake fights and critique them and get obsessed with them. I like real fights and fake fights. <laughs> you get obsessed with them and, you know, ruin relationships and uh, tear down families and uh, take everything <laughs> so damn seriously for the fake fights. Now, one more real big live wire moment that I want to point out that, Jeff, I did not send this one to you. But I think CP will remember this one very, very clearly. And that is furthering the Ahmed Johnson Nation of Domination uh, feud, where not only did they let Ahmed Johnson have a live mic, they didn't kind of rein him in either. So Ahmed Johnson, I think, legit thought that him and Farouk were going to have some sort of confrontation in Street Fight. And if you can find the clip, it is one of the more intense uh, you know, challenges of all time as Ahmed Johnson threatens to find the house of Farouk and come and grab him out of it it's because he wasn't reined in. He was just told, go out there and talk. And CP, you remember this moment I'm talking about where he says, where you at? I come to your house. <laughs> I did. I don't know if he said it as clearly as you just said it, but I do remember the moment. No, I was actually hunting for that this afternoon and I couldn't find it. Uh, I don't. Did you find that online anywhere? Yeah, that, that moment well, is amazing. I, 
I, I saw it in my, uh, you know, in my oh, okay, vast, okay. Uh, my vast d- uh, databases of things I have access to. <laughs> okay. uh, but no, no, couldn't find, you can't find a little snippet of it, but that's the one. I mean, that Nation of Domination versus yeah. Ahmed Johnson feud was intense, and to give him, and, and Farouk would also get a, a, a platform as well, but with Ahmed Johnson, I mean, he's wearing, I think he's got the eight ball jacket on, like, you know, remember the big blue leather eight ball jacket? Yeah. And he's like legit shooting on Farouk, and I really think he thought it was real. And that's true. There's, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. But that I would say is maybe the other iconic moment outside of the Paul Heyman phone call, the debut, the Vic Venom cornet, and Jr. has a bad day. Those I'd say would be the top uh, moments of a show that really wasn't supposed to be anything but a call-in show. Um, and that's all in the first like six months of it. It would kind of yeah. go downhill. They would evolve it a little bit back just into a, a clip show. Uh, but that formula worked. And, and if you ever get a chance to see the Vince McMahon episodes where Vince McMahon gets extended time, you kind of see elements of Mr. McMahon meets, you know, what we knew, the lovable Vince announcer. But if you've ever seen Vince in Memphis, it's also a little bit like that. Jeff, have you ever seen Mick Memphis? No, but I did watch one of the episodes today. I was going through the clips where Vince McMahon was on there. It may have been the same episode where um, Vince said, you know, why is this show so awful? Just later in the episode, they started talking about Jim Ross, and they really got into his Bell's palsy. And Vince McMahon saying he fired him for talking to a dirt cheat or something. And, like, they're really getting into all this stuff. And I don't know how much of it was true or not, but they were saying key buzzwords that would make people like say wait what they're talking about this on that show you know as you guys talk about oh they were talking about wcw is like the first time they were doing this stuff you know they're flat out asking vince mcmahon do you think jim ross is a better commentator than you why are you first string and and he's not i mean they were going through all this stuff and i thought it was very interesting for the time like you were saying chad ahead of its time with the email that stuff was ahead of its time too Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, we only saw Vince as the announcer who would just, you know, be the, the you knew who he was. If you watched, you knew who he was. But this was, again, the first time he kind of peeled it back. And I, I don't remember if, if they said it on there, then I just completely forgot or missed it. But I don't know if they refer to him as, you know, the owner of the WWF. I just think you kind of knew who he was and he was there to answer questions. You know, I don't think they established he was the owner. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, again, it's just another one of those things where, he, he didn't stop anybody. He didn't tell anybody, you know, cut that phone call off or whatever. Now, the show had a lot of phone call issues. <laughs> I can't tell you how many I remember they would pick up. Hello? Hello? And then they hang up. So that's Can also I just very say About Vince. Uh, yeah, in, more, in more of a uh, scripted moment, though, the Bruce from Connecticut call that you guys mentioned earlier, Vince is he's just pure acting great Vince in that moment. Like the look on his face when he f- knows it's Paul Heyman is priceless. And it's also just interesting. Cause you know, you think about all the unscripted moments on the show and you, you just know, like that's probably not how Vince would react. If Paul Heyman really got through to his show in a, in a real <laughs> at all. No, I disagree. But- I think that if it, if it was spontaneous, I think Vince would play it cool. I, I think that he's is got no that? other choice. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got no other choice, but to play it cool because you can't sell for uh, something that's spontaneous. You know what I mean? I mean, look, he let Bret Hart hit him in the face. That's true. I'm also picturing slap papers out of Bob Costas's hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, and you go back and watch that call. 
And it's so obvious knowing with, you know, 2020 hindsight that they were in bed together. Vince McMahon is saying ECW out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Why the hell would he say that? You right. Know, you yeah. know, unless he was trying to put him over. There's no way in hell he would have said that. I mean, it's clear as day and nobody knew. You know, it's yeah. weird going back and seeing that now. And because uh, I'll tell you what Shane always says about it. Shane Douglas always says whenever he talked to Vince, and this is in 95, so this is about a year earlier, whenever Vince referred to ECW, he never used the letters ECW. He would say the minor leagues, the bingo hall company, the company in Philadelphia, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the small time promotion. He would never use those letters ECW. So obviously, time moved forward, and Paul Heyman's on the payroll, and he, uh, you know, he had no choice but to say it because of whatever their working relationship and talent exchange and all that shit. Uh, but you know, it's just kind of funny to see where he moved in that year. And again, Mind Games '96, Paul Heyman, Tommy Dreamer, and the Sandman front row in Philadelphia, where in '95, King of the Ring '95 specifically, everybody's getting booed out of the building. Because it's an ECW crowd. King Mabel is getting viciously booed. It's go away heat. It's not you're a bad guy heat. It's that that this sucks. ECW, you know, rules. We're going to boo every, everybody. Is that the first that hijack the crowd type deal? It's the like, first that I remember. King of the Ring 95 is a notoriously bad show. It's it, from this era. It Even where we can find some of the more endearing qualities of a new generation show. The main event is a tag. It's uh, uh, Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow against uh, Tatanka and Sid. So it's not really the strongest. The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels get eliminated early <laughs> from the King of the Ring uh, tournament. And it's the Kiss My Foot match with Bret Hart and Jerry Lawler. So And, and then you have the roadie and I think Savio Vega going deep in the... Uh, and Razor Ramon is injured too. So they literally... It's, it, it's depleted roster, subpar matches... And King Mabel winning the, the, the crowd. So the crowd completely boos the shit out of everything going on. Guess they're justified. <laughs> I can see why you might have tapped out, Jeff. I can see why <laughs> as the more I talk. But overall, wrap up for Livewire. Do you think we could see a Livewire 2020? Would that be realistic with the concept that they had back in 96? I, I think it would work, but it all... They they would have to get rid of the robotic narrative or the robotic characteristics that they force their hosts to have. They're all inter interchangeable. You got to have somebody out there that is going to take charge and have a personality to be the host of the show that can play off the wrestlers and get them going. Because when you look at Pettengill and Jim Cornette and Sonny, they all did something different. They all brought right. something different to the table. You need those personalities on the show. You can't have generic commentator a interviewing somebody it's not it's not going to work it's got to be it's got to be entertaining i think i think the formula could be successful if done correctly and people were just given free reign and i and i'll go back to the ms daniel bryan i think that's a perfect example of yeah. within the past five years of something that fit you know what live wire was so you're not giving byron saxton the uh the <laughs> <laughs> You're not giving him the uh, the keys to the Livewire uh, car there, huh? To, to restart Livewire 2020. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, who knows how entertaining these guys could actually be if they if they let them be themselves. You never know. 
You know, it's tough to say. We can only go by what we see. You know, you see people once they get out of that thing, like Renee Young, I feel like she was held back, like like kind of put the brakes on, you know. She could have really done something with this if if she was able to go. But, you know, like Kayla and all and uh, Sarah, they, they just all seem the same to me. It's that cookie cutter thing. But, you know, that show that they did on Fox Sports kind of I, I could see they kind of tried to have the same element of fan interaction in a little more shoot style. But I just I think it's just so watered down now that it wouldn't I don't know how that format could fit because you can't have anybody say anything that would be any bit mildly controversial, be construed as sexist or racist or homophobic or this or that. And it just it couldn't work in that regard, but I would love to see them attempt it if they could have, but maybe, Hey, maybe that's what makes it special. And let's keep it where it was. It's that really, I would say the first year that was the, the go-to for live wire. Cause the, it stayed on until 2001 somehow with Jonathan coachman, Michael Cole, just basically being like, yeah, on raw DX, you know, uh, flash their butts to the camera. Here it is. You know, like that's really what it became, but we don't talk about the attitude ever on this show. Our world just caps at uh, mid-97, and uh, it might as well never happen because it's the future. We can't predict the future. Uh, CP, before we uh, we say goodbye and we wrap up here with Jeff, uh, let's give you an overall grade. Uh, Give me a letter grade here for Livewire. Again, I think maybe more the first year overall, but uh, what, what would you say the final stamp, the Dean Douglas grade is for Livewire? Yeah, no, if I'm going first year, exclusively and forgetting about when it's a clip show if i'm going new generation live wire i would give it like a b plus i I definitely did not wake up on saturday mornings previous to live wire for years for wrestling and uh at that point or sunday mornings was live wire correct either way no it was saturday morning at 10 o'clock thank you very much Saturday at 10 whichever morning it was there was a period where i wasn't waking up for those shows and i did for live wire just to try to call and get through which i never did uh, but yeah, I'll give it a B plus. It was a, it was a fun show, totally different than what was going on at the time. And yeah, I don't think you could recreate it uh, in the same manner as it was for that first year that it was on the air. I'm almost ashamed at how much I tried to call that show in retrospect. <laughs> I, I really am. I mean, the more I think about it, I'm like very ashamed. I, I've never, I would never do that again. And I used to go to one guy's house to call the hotline. I should have just waited to go to his house to. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I was on, I called WCW live a few times. Oh, so. did you? <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. What era do I have to go look for the tapes now? Uh, it probably got, I was in college. So I think I was 19 and 98, maybe. Okay. And ninety-eight, it might have been. I don't know. I, I remember getting on there a few times. I, I don't know. Probably asked some Mark question. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I used to get on all the time to a wrestling radio show on Friday nights, I believe, out of Hazlitt, New Jersey. Oh yeah. I don't know if you recall that show, Chad. <laughs> yeah. I do. I don't remember the. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. But uh, yeah, he used to be on uh, this wrestling radio show. I don't think it was Friday. I think it was like middle of the week. Uh, Maybe it and was. I just, it was like... Here's what I remember about it: an early independent Dawn Marie being there as just like yeah there's this girl coming up her name's dawn marie she's on the indie scene here in jersey and it's like oh there's dawn marie things <laughs> the things you'd hear years later that's the only that's the other funny part but i digress yes, yes. so all right well we'll head to the wrap up here on the uh, generation declassified so happy to have uh, jeff Lund join us my uh, my brand brother the guy who uh i talk to at least once a week uh sending him some content 
and uh, chopping it up because uh, I'd be remiss before we say goodbye just to just to briefly cover. I'm not sure if it'll make the cold opening or not, but we have to just mention briefly. Get my go, Jeff. You and I share a kinship on Get My Go. Uh, the two of us really bringing together, I think, the nucleus of what Get My Go has become. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the the legend growing single week. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. We got to be on the, the episodes together. What's weird is we all have this path that led to the show in different directions. You met the guy totally unrelated to anything else. Feeney worked with the guy. I went on his show and got into it with him because he ended up, you know, turning on us. It's like everybody had their own path, like a triangle, just like merging, you know, like a triforce, like all coming together over the same guy with completely different paths. It's very weird. The fact that you met him and stuff, that was my favorite story listening to that stuff, man. Oh, it's great. I, got, I mean, I, I feel like there's more, too, that I could add to it as I you know, think more <laughs> about it and have had to relive it more times than I ever expected in my life. But nonetheless, just so funny. Just like I just I still shake my head at how much. Yeah. Like you said, everybody's got their own pathway to this uh, nut job. <laughs> and then the other the other little minions, too, that uh, that have come across uh, the rest of the crew as well. It's just it's an interesting little thing, but nonetheless, a uh, little small part of happiness that you get every single week when you hear that uh, that little filmation beginning there at the uh, the start of uh, of Get My Go. So a little shout out to the boys here on uh, New Generation Declassified. So Jeff, please tell the fine folks where they can find everything going on in your world, the brand, the podcast, the Twitch, everything you got going on. Yes, Russo'sBrand.com. You can see me on my day job we do a lot of great podcasts there and if if uh, you guys have never tried us out our, our vip membership where we got of course vince russo disco inferno stevie richards ben hameen stevie ray taylor hendrix goldilocks big Vito. i'm gonna forget somebody again and get in trouble but if you've never tried us before guys you can sign up before december 31st and get a free full month so so with no long-term commitment so check that out guys and i also have a twitch if you want to come hang with me do some gaming throughout the week twitch.tv slash jeff lane 22 Awesome. Yeah, definitely uh, support Jeff, support the brand. Uh, you Shane know, Douglas, been... I forgot you. See, you could have called me right there. I forgot Chad. <laughs> I say it. That's okay. I say it before we uh, we sign <laughs> off. You know, being a part of the brand for the last about two years, it, it's been wonderful. You know, obviously uh, Francine Show was there for a little while on, on uh, Vince's Patreon, and it's just it, – it's a great community. It's a fun bunch of shows. There's always something different. And I dare say for news and for, you know, updates and a different insight, Lions, Tigers, Bears, and Disco is by far the the only go-to show for me in terms of what's going on because just the takes that – look, when Disco's reined in, he's awesome. You know, when he you can tell he's in a bad mood, it's a little tough. <laughs> I can only imagine what you go through. But just when him and Vince are bouncing stuff off each other back and forth and when they're all everybody's rolling, it just it is such a good show for the, quote, smarter fan. I, I just absolutely love it. So being a brand uh, uh, member as well as I'm not just a member. I'm also a content creator. <laughs> <laughs> What's that guy's name? Sly uh, something? Uh, Sly Sperling. Sly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sly Sperling. <laughs> WrestleMania 10 uh, new generation right. star, Cy Sperling. He was uh, Howard Frank had hair. That's exactly oh, that's right. right. 
That's exactly <laughs> right. So, CP, what do you got going on? I know you're in the middle of a big move. Uh, you look like you're in a, a foggy, hazy situation right now. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the Godfather has come, uh, but I, you know, maybe more of Papa Shango during this era. Yeah, it's a, it's a combination. It might be more Godfather, actually, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, oh, whoa, hey. yeah, no, uh, I am. Uh, yeah, I'm still in the middle of my move, but I'm doing good here. Uh, I got season one of Stick and Move Stories, my boxing podcast, documentary style, historic fights. Uh, you can look up Stick and Move Stories podcast on Google and you'll come across it. Uh, it's free on Spotify, free on Anchor. And I am going to continue making new generation declassified episodes with the Chadster and uh, definitely uh, catch some clips of uh, Disco cracking me up as well at some point later on. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you subscribe to the brand? You get your month, uh, month, December. Fun. I am cheap, but maybe I will. It's going to be on the spot. So, I mean, like, I, if I was going to do it, now's the time. So, all right. If you want to follow me, it's at ChatDMB on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to check out Eyes Up Here with uh, the Queen of Extreme, Francine, it's patreon.com slash Francine Podcast. Uh, we also have audio now with the Creative Control Network. Uh, so, you can check us there. I think it's every Saturday that it drops. Uh, and for me personally, you want to go to ibexclusives.com. You can find my uh, sports memorabilia, my autograph signing I have coming up. Uh, if you're looking for a gift for the holiday season, if you see something that you like, maybe you want signed in the future, just check out what I've got going on, and uh, maybe you'll like it. I've got an upcoming signing with the Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, as well as Jimmy Wang Yang for all of you uh, uh, Wanginators out there that love some Jimmy Wang Yang. Uh, how about get a signed picture from him? Come to my website, ibexclusives.com. And uh, just again, thank you again, Jeff, for coming on. Had a great time there, man. You know my man. You know their man. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just so cool. It's you would make my honor to come back again to New Generation Declassified. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I got another interview, man. I got to run. Uh, that's... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I gotta go, guys. I gotta go. But uh, no, God, he, really... pulled, he pulled that one out that one time. That was freaking hilarious. I don't know if you heard that episode. <laughs> I, I, I oh have God, of yeah. I have. So saying goodbye for this week for uh, CP and the great uh, Jeff Lane. Uh, This is the Chadster, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.